Hey, Texas Values friends, Jonathan Sines here, president of Texas Values. We're on the floor of the exhibit hall in CPAC in Big D, Dallas, Texas, one of the largest events to hit Texas this summer to talk about activism, to talk about the values that we care about in Texas, and the current issues. And I've got two great guests today. I'm so excited about it. You know, you've heard us talk a lot about the Save Women's Sports issue, right? The injustices that are going on where you have men and boys competing in women's sports, not only competing, but taking away opportunities. And a lot of times people say, well, I haven't hurt anyone, I've not met anyone. And so we've got two people here today to bring it home for you and make it real. And, and continue to look at the work we're doing because we've got some unfinished business at our state legislature. We need to protect college sports in the state of Texas. And so I've got Raleigh Gaines with me, who is a yes. incredible swimmer. She actually has competed against Leah Thomas. You know, this is uh, Will Thomas, who competed as a male and then competed as a woman uh, in at the national level, at the collegiate level. He's from Texas. And then we've got Taylor Silverman, who is an accomplished skateboard champion and competitive skateboarder as well. You probably hadn't heard a lot about that issue or that sport, but we're going to talk a little bit about it today because it matters. And they're here with a great, wonderful organization that's getting good information out about the injustices on this issue and others for women. And so, Raleigh, I'm going to start with you. There's yes. been a lot of attention about the swimming issue, and you and I were talking before we started that maybe we would not expect it that that would be the sport, but it certainly is. And all this year, particularly what happened with Leah Thomas and the championships that he won, taking spots away uh, from women on that podium, and really we, we heard a lot about it because he had a connection to Texas. You competed against it. I mean, um, first of all, tell us a little bit about your swimming background and then what it was like to be in the middle of all this. Yeah. So I had been swimming since I was five years old. Um, so by the time I was eight, you're swimming two hours a day. You're in second grade swimming two hours a day, five, six days a week. Um, by the time you get to college, I just recently graduated from the University of Kentucky. But by the time you get to college, you're swimming five and a half hours every single day. And two and a half of those hours are before 8 a.m. So it's a huge commitment. Lots of sacrifices made. You know, we're stuck at school, stuck at college all summer, all Christmas. Um, you don't get breaks. And so that's just kind of to preface that it has been a lifelong commitment um, and with lots of sacrifices. But like you said, Thomas and I raced this past March at our NCAA championships that were at Georgia Tech. Um, and Thomas and I actually tied in the 200 yard freestyle. Um, so we tied, we go behind the awards podium where they distribute the awards and the NCAA official looks at me, says, great swim. Um, we don't account for ties, so we only have one trophy. We're gonna give it to Thomas. Unbelievable. Yours will come in the mail. Um, oh my good job. And so I, I'm kind of taken aback, and so I question. Did they give it. a reason why? I mean, I, I can I, I can understand logistically. We only had one trophy. Right. Why give it to him? And that was exactly my my point. I understand. You know, tying and swimming is pretty rare, and so I asked. You know, why? Like, why are you adamant on Thomas holding the trophy? And so he looked at me and said, "Oh, well, we're just doing this in chronological order because clearly he wasn't prepared to answer that question." And so when he said that is when I realized what was happening, and so I asked him what are we being chronological about because we tied and he said Thomas needs to hold it for photo purposes yours will come in the mail and so it was at that moment that I realized you know not only are we being forced to compete against men we're being sidelined to men um, it's 
well, taking I mean, back I mean, Title Nine. No, that, yeah. it, it's. I mean, it's, and I can imagine. I'm not, you know, that, you know, that's a tough. That's humiliating in some ways, right? I mean, here, yeah. I can imagine you're exhausted. You finish the swim, um, and you know, in the unfairness of having to share an award with a male swimmer, right. we're talking about the women's division. I want to back up for a second too, because I know this wasn't the first swim that he competed in. There was already starting to be a little bit of buildup of attention. What has the environment been like when women know that my chances maybe not good, or maybe I don't even have a shot because they've seen what he's done in other races? Yeah, it's a bit of a feeling like you're swimming with your hands tied behind your back because that's essentially what it is. You're going into a race feeling defeated. Um, but I would say initially there was a lot of people didn't know what to say or who to say it to. Um, but then that first day we watched Thomas win a national title. And that's so this when was after that, dude. this was the next day. What happened? Oh my goodness. Wow. So then the mood completely shifted. Once, you know, all these females saw that happen, um, it was just devastating. It's heartbreaking. You know, you dedicate your life to an organization um, and to something like Title IX that was intended to protect you. And it does quite opposite. Um, well, it shows that it's prioritizing. a hero, too. Right. It was and like so, special on ESPN. I remember um, our friend Beth Stelzer was there with her big Save Women Sports sign. I mean, really trying to deliberately get into some of the camera angles because someone had to say something. Right? And that's the thing is I kept waiting for that. I kept thinking, you know, someone in a powerful position, you know, with some way will, will say something and change this. But... It wasn't happening, and so finally, me being 22 and not equipped in any way to be, you know, speaking about this other than the fact that I do have personal experience, I was thrust in this position, and I think, um, obviously, it's an opportunity that I want to run with because it, it's something that is crazy, you know, seeing these girls who placed ninth and 17th and missed out on being yeah. named an All-American, which oh, is yeah. such a huge honor. Um, the tears, the uncomfort, the extreme uncomfort in the locker room, like, these things, I, I saw it all happen, and that's when I realized if no one will say something, I'm going to be the person because this is wrong. And so well, since then, we actually both got nominated for NCAA Woman of the Year, <laughs> Thomas and I, I which is I just, which is the most elite, the most prestigious award in all of college athletics for females. And to nominate someone who spent 95% of their life as a male is a slap in the face. Well, and more and more examples of this, you know, really injustice continuing to hit other circumstances, not just competition, these other awards that can go along with it. And, you know, look, in, in a year where you know, we're celebrating 50 years of Title IX, it's been encouraging that some, you know, historic athletes, if you will, people that, that really were at the beginning stage of that are also coming forward, whether they're on one side of the political aisle or not, and saying this is enough. Well, let's, Riley, just incredible, incredible story, and I just want to applaud your uh, courage, and I know you probably focused on an athlete, but adding that other element to sort of what was going on, national attention, but saying, you know what, I, I need to say something yeah. as well. I uh, And I want to come back to you in a minute, because I want to talk with Taylor. I like skateboarding, okay, I skateboarded when I was younger. Doesn't get a lot of attention, maybe, like some sports does, but it is a competitive sport that's grown a lot. Yeah. We were talking about this, the X Games is, is a, a competition that you'll see including skateboarding that comes to Austin, Texas, or Texas a lot, and it's gotten a lot more attention over the years. Uh, you've been in competitive skateboarding, and you've come forward and said you have concerns about how this issue is impacting your sport. Yeah, it had happened to me a few times, and then finally last winter, 
I reached a breaking point and felt like I needed to speak up after competing in a Red Bull contest where I placed second and my paycheck was cut pretty significantly because of it. So I lost money. Yeah, because a lot of these contests, yeah, we're competing for money and you get paid based on how you perform. So, so where did the competition take place? This one was in about. Lincoln, Nebraska. The very first time I competed against a male was back in 2018 in a qualifier in the state of California. And I actually placed above the male, but neither of us placed on podium. It was like a qualifier. So and, let's go back for a second. And like then in 2020 in Chicago, it happened. I placed second as well. Let's go back for a second like we did with Raleigh. Talk to us a little bit about when you started skateboarding and some of the, the preparation and when it became competitive. So I actually started skateboarding a little bit later than most. I was 16 and the reason I got into skating was because I had played sports my whole life and I played sports in school. But once I entered high school, I made the decision with my family that I would be switched to homeschool. And at that time, you couldn't participate in school sports if you were not in the school. So, and I think that's hopefully that will change one day. But um, I ended up choosing something that I saw as independent and that I could do anywhere and on my own time. Skateboarding really appealed to me because I had snowboarded a little bit growing up in Michigan. I fell in love with it and. When I first started, I never thought of it as something that would become uh, a way that I could make money or have jobs with or get very good at. It was just something I did for fun, and I started entering some local contests, most of which were all men's. We didn't really have women's divisions in a lot of areas. Well, so. you're right. It is a sport that, you know, over the years, I, I think you probably people think about more uh, men that are competitive, but, mm -hmm. uh, but it's like male dominated. As they become more interesting, they become more popular. Yeah. You know, there are girls that like to do it as well. Yeah, so as I was doing these local contests and doing pretty well in them, I decided it was time to start going to other events where I could meet other women who were interested in the same thing as me and were passionate about it. And I really enjoyed doing those events. It was good for my social life. Sometimes you make a little bit of money. And it was really empowering to get to still participate in a sport. And when I started seeing this creep into skateboarding, at first I thought, well, this is going to be a funny story I tell one day about, you know, how they tried this and it didn't work and then everybody hated it and we stopped. But it's gotten worse and worse and there's a lot of young kids involved in skateboarding who have truly been indoctrinated into believing this gender ideology stuff and that there's no difference between the sexes and that I get attacked even by other skateboarders for this. But there's a lot of people who recognize that too, yeah, wow. both. And there's so many parents and skaters at this point who message me privately, desperate to do something, to speak out, but absolutely terrified of the backlash that they could receive. Well, and it seems like it's swift and aggressive, right? It is. As soon as somebody says something, they almost like want to, you know, send on everybody right away to shut them up. Yep, and that's exactly what happened when I spoke up because my first attempt at speaking about it was actually a private email to Red Bull. And it was like wow. a, an email I corresponded with sure. many times before, so it was completely ignored. And I thought, you know, I wrote a professional kind email explaining my concerns and how this impacted like us being paid and that I just wanted to schedule a time to talk and they didn't get back to me at all. So 
I sat with that thinking about what to do and I finally realized after seeing Riley speak out and hearing stories about like the Connecticut track runners and seeing Fallon Fox beating women like in boxing and I just felt like having been in second place and having had money involved maybe people would listen to what I had to say I was shocked at how many people cared like my story went viral in an hour of being posted wow. on Instagram and though though I received a lot of hate the support yeah. has outweighed it greatly I was going to say the flip side of sometimes when that criticism is swift then when you're able to sort of uh, push through that and get your message out and exercise that freedom you find out and you're, and you're able to reach other people that can feel um, inspired by that and say, you know what, we support you as well. I want to uh, circle back with Riley. You were, we were talking about this, that um, you took your voice to the Kentucky legislature yes. recently. I'd love to hear why that was important for you and, and what that experience is like because it's a big part of what we do. We try to connect with the state legislatures, give them good information to be a part of that process and have real voices like right. yours. So what was that like for you and why'd you decide to do that? So they had actually reached out to me and asked if I was willing. Um, and I said, of course. Um, and this was a law to protect in high school and in college sports that you didn't have biological boys of in, in, in middle uh, school and high school. Middle school, high school. Okay, gotcha. Um, so our governor, Andy Bashir, he, vet or he vetoed the Fairness in Women's Sports Act um, but then Senate was able to overturn the veto, which passed the bill, which is a great thing. Um, and I think a lot of people look at it like, oh, you're excluding people from sports. By no means is that what needs to be done, because I think sports is a developmental piece for everyone. But I don't see what's wrong with competing in the sport um, with, with your sex that you have at birth. Um, and so I think there's a lot of misconception there. But... Um, it was a great experience. Um, I got to speak, I did press conferences, um, and people really value that personal experience aspect. And so being able to share that, um, and a lot of people had said, you know, we, being Kentucky, we haven't had to deal with this problem. And I'm sitting there like, yes, we have. You know, me and all 40 of my female teammates, we've had to go through this, um, competing at that meet and dealing with this and seeing the effects. And so being a part of that change, it happened in Tennessee as well, where I'm from. Um, they passed the Fairness in Women's Sports Act, um, which is incredible. And then also FINA, which is the world's organization for aquatic sports, so swimming, diving, water polo, all those things, um, they've actually now come out and said that there will be no transgenders at elite competitions, which includes the Olympics, um, unless transitioned by the age of 12. So it's a good first step. I think there's still some work that needs to be done in terms of the policy, but Definitely right steps. Well, and you know, it just helps people understand, too, one voice. And you're a pretty important voice. I mean, to be able to compete at that level yeah. and have success, I think, allows people to say, you should listen to what she has to say. But still, one person can make a difference. For sure. And it usually is representative of a lot of people that, and a lot of, and this is what I've tried to help people understand, a lot of women are never going to get to your position right. if we don't do something about it now because those opportunities are going to take, be taken away at a much earlier stage, right. and they're just going to do something else. Right, and that's that's another point is I feel like a lot of people feel like they need that personal aspect piece to speak up, and that is so wrong. You do not need to have some sort of 
direct personal experience because if you don't, you very well could, or your future children could, and so you can still care about these concepts very much of yeah. justice and fairness without it having to impact your life. I think that's something we share as Americans. Um, Taylor, you were telling me a little bit about you know how you feel about these issues going forward, some of your frustration. Um, where has this led you to what you're thinking about? Here's what you know, I feel like I have to do next because of what you dealt with. Well, unfortunately, skateboarding and some other sports, too, fall in this category that's not protected by Title IX because they're not included in schools in any way. So, at this point, I really don't want this to affect kids. It breaks my heart that this is something that kids have to worry about in school sports because I'm just old enough to have not had to be concerned about that when I was playing basketball and softball in school. and. I hope that sports like skateboarding follow suit and see that as an example. But what's happening in skateboarding right now is it's almost getting worse before it gets better. And the people who disagree with it are so terrified to speak up because they could lose their jobs. They'll have people attack them, come after them and their families. They'll come after their kids. I even hear parents talk about, like at the recent contest that happened last weekend in Canada where a, a trans competitor took second place. So a male took second place in the women's division. Parents were speaking up as this was happening and the people at the contest were telling them to watch their mouths and to not make a scene about it. And it puts these parents in terrible positions where they don't want to risk their kid's career, they don't want to risk their own livelihood, and their kids are just put in a position to suffer. And it breaks my heart because I, it, it's really inspiring seeing the changes that have been made in swimming, and I think that your voice has been a big part of that. But in skateboarding, it seems like it's going in the other way in spite of the women. And there's a lot of men involved in skateboarding still to this day who think that skating isn't for women and think it's hilarious well, what's it's happening like, no, to us. This, this reminds me of you know what it might have been like 40, 50, 60 years ago when women were you know fighting for the rights that are secured with Title IX. Yeah. They wanted the opportunity to be able to compete. One of our state legislators is a former collegiate golfer, and she's talked about her experience that or some of that when she was very young, and then, and you know, really just to be able to persevere and yeah. compete. And so now we're we should be way beyond that. It's almost like we're repeating some of those things in this environment that's created where people are trying to hush people or you know bully them and make them feel afraid. We're saying, hey, I thought we agreed a long time ago that this wasn't right. Mm -hmm. And so I do think it brings up some of those old, old conversations. But it reminds us that we should be making these decisions on consistent principles mm -hmm. of fairness. And we're, we're only going to have more examples, unfortunately. If we don't see uh, more policies that put an end to this and, and demonstrate some lines to be drawn of fairness, um, we're, we're going to see more of the, the Will Thomases or the Leah Thomas, whatever name you know people are referring to. We're, I mean, because this is sort of the beginning, and we're already seeing these right. troubling outcomes. You're going to see people that just say, I'm just not going to compete in sports. And it doesn't have to be the end-all, be-all, but it's an important part of our freedoms, our experiences as Americans. For many people, it can be the one key thing that allows them access to higher education. Yes. To your point, a, a, a livelihood. And that's one of the things that's great about America, the different sports. And maybe I want to go into something that's not as common or people wouldn't think of that's outside of schools like skateboarding and you're running to issues there. I just want to really commend uh, both of y'all on taking the leadership that you have, bringing your voice forward, 
there are a lot of people that feel the same way, and I think you're helping them see, you know what, I should really say something, or I should do something, or they're able to connect with you and have hope that maybe things are going to go a little bit better, we're going to get this turned around, or something's going to be done. Uh, speaking of FINA and other entities that I think we're starting to realize, we can't just ignore this. Yeah. We've got to have some policy that adjusts to this. I think the state legislative process has a lot to do with this as well. We're going to continue to work on that. But um, and I hope you'll continue to have your voices strong. Anything we can do to amplify that and also multiply that, we're going to do our part. And um, we also want to just you know acknowledge, I I've never competed at that level. In a sport, whether you're male or female, it is very difficult. Um, and then to be surrounded by some of those circumstances as well, I'm sure that is a lot uh, that can get to you. So um, keep it up, okay? That's really what I want to say. I want want you to know that. And, uh, and there are a lot of people that are with you. Um, we talk to a lot of our state leaders, and that's why we are focusing on this issue. We know this coming legislative session in January I just think if Texas does something right and significant on this to protect women in college sports, it's inevitable that it will impact the rest of the country and possibly the world in a lot of different ways. So it's been great to have uh, Robbie Gaines and Taylor Silverman on this special segment of the Texas Values Report right here on the exhibit hall at CPAC in Dallas, Texas. So stay tuned to our social media outlets and also our website where we'll talk more about faith family and freedom in Texas.